0: Well, good evening, Refuge family, and all those that are joining us tonight for our Bible study. Thank you so much for allowing us to come to you in your homes by way of video and uh, exploring the Word of God together. Why don't you turn with me to the Gospel according to John, John chapter 1 and verse 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29. What a wonderful Mother's Day service we had. This past Sunday, we are so uh, thankful for all of the Mother's Day greetings that we were able to, to gather together and include in our videoed service. And uh, there, were, there were more that we, we did try to get, and, and I promise you that we did not intentionally leave anybody out. But of course, uh, with all of our hearts, we want to honor all of our moms. And we are so thankful for your role in the home, in the family, and in the church. Of course, we uh, were blessed by a challenging message from our First Lady, thankful for the preaching of the Word of God this past Sunday, and then to be able to see so many that stopped by for our drive-through Mother's Day gift pickup there at our property. We are thankful to all of those that were able to come and to stop by and see us and pick up their gift. We do have Refuge uh, Youth Church tonight at 8 p.m., Uh, Please help us make sure all of our young people, all those that are 12 uh, to 21 years old, will be on our youth church uh, Zoom call tonight at 8 p.m. with Brother Alex Perry. Also, I would encourage you, uh, before we read our text, sometime this weekend, would you give a, a brother or sister a call or maybe send them an encouraging text and let someone know that you care about them and let the Lord lead you to pray for them in your prayer time with the Lord, and uh, also Aviance and Thomas Aviance Harvey and Thomas Newberry are planning to be married on May 24th. Their original date was Saturday, May 23rd, and then there was some question what uh, you know the plans were going to look like uh, because of the shelter-in-place order and all that's going on with the pandemic, but they are uh, planning to move forward uh, with their wedding ceremony again being on May 24th, which is not this Sunday, but the following. And we will be sharing more details with you on Sunday on how we as a church family can celebrate together with them. Please let's continue uh, to uh, be accountable through our text attendance. Uh, My son told me the other day, that instead of asking everybody to text the word "here," uh, that we should pick a different word to kind of mix it up, maybe catch some people off guard. Um, I thought he was—it was strange because he was thinking more and more like I might be thinking. But if you would uh, participate in our accountability text uh, attendance by texting the word "present," present to the number 309-786-3001. Again, that's 309-786-3001. Text the word present. Let's go ahead and look at our text now, John chapter one and verse 29. The Bible reads, the next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And, John says, I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I coming, therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon Jesus. Verse 33, again, John John says, And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again, the next day after John stood, and two of his disciples... And looking upon Jesus as he walked, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. And that from the text is my title for tonight's message, Behold the Lamb of God. Would you pray with me? Why don't you stand together just for a moment if you're able to stand together with me in your homes. Let's lift up our voices and our hands. Let's begin to call upon the name of the Lord right now. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your hand upon our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather together in purpose, to hear your word, to worship you, to receive. Lord, to bless your name and to be blessed by your word. I ask that you Help me to speak as your spirit leads. Help me to speak to your people wherever they are, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. Help me as the messenger tonight to speak and to feed the flock of God that you have purchased with your own blood. Let your spirit lead me to speak words that are not my own, but your word for your people at this time. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name, and we give you all the glory and all the thanks and praise amen 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 before you're seated why don't we clap our hands to the lord and give him some praise we love you jesus we worship you lord god we praise your holy name and we thank you lord hallelujah 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 glory to god glory to god glory to god amen amen if you're if someone else is in the room with you look at them and say behold The Lamb of God. And you may be seated. Behold the Lamb of God. I want to expound on our text just a little bit to lay a foundation before I get to the crux of tonight's message. In these opening pages and verses of the Gospel according to John, we find the character John the Baptist. Uh, there is a difference between the writer, John, who was a disciple, the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, who also wrote, beside the gospel according to John, he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, as well as the book of Revelation are all credited to his writing. But this John that we read about in our text is not that John, the disciple or the apostle. It is John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, the one who was baptizing before Jesus arrived into his public ministry. And John tells us of how that God, who sent him, revealed that he would know who the Messiah was through supernatural signs. Now, this is very important. Consider, if you will, put yourself in the in John's sandals, and you, your whole life's purpose is to introduce the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ. That's your whole life's purpose. That's your mission. That's what you wake up for, okay? And it would be pretty important for you to know when you see him who the Messiah is. And God who sent John on this mission told him that there would be undeniable, unmistakable evidence of who the Christ was when he saw him. He would, through supernatural signs, reveal to John who the Messiah was. Twice in our text, it records John the Baptist saying these words, I knew him not. To put it more plainly, John the Baptist was saying, I did not recognize him as the Messiah. Now, to better understand the importance of this, we need to recognize that John the Baptist and Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, they were related through their mothers. Elizabeth, the mother of John, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were cousins. And John says that he did not know that Jesus was the Messiah. He did not know that Jesus, he he knew Jesus, but he did not know that Jesus was the Messiah. So understand that the supernatural signs that we see revolving or included in the baptism of Jesus, they were not to somehow testify of there being three persons in a fictitious trinity, a false doctrine. But we find that these signs were to testify to John who the Messiah was. The spirit descending like a dove and lighting upon Jesus and remaining there. The voice from heaven. Again, these elements were not to show the distinct and separate persons of the godhead but they were to testify to john that this jesus indeed is the son of god the messiah you see john the baptist knew jesus as a relative but now he would know him as the redeemer john the baptist he saw jesus up to this point as a cousin But from this point forward, he would see him as the Christ. And like John, we could use a fresh and more clear revelation of Jesus today. Perhaps your knowledge of Jesus up until this point has been through others. Your perception of him has been defined by your connection to him, like John, through family, through parents, whether biological or spiritual, whether by birth or by marriage. Yet there is a divine and a supernatural revelation of Jesus Christ that waits for every one of us. This reminds me of a story that we find in John chapter four. Jesus was having a conversation with a woman of Samaria at Jacob's well. He reveals to her, himself as the Christ, to which she enthusiastically accepts and goes and evangelizes the city of Sychar from which she hailed. And she tells the city about this Jesus being the Messiah. And the Bible says in John 4, 39, that initially many of the Samaritans of that city believed on Jesus for the saying of the woman. But after they came out of the city and sought Jesus for themselves and listened to his teaching, the Bible says in verse 41 of John 4 that many more believed because of his own record. Verse 42 says, and said unto the woman, now we believe. Not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Again, I believe that this level of revelation of Jesus is available for each and every one of us. While many of us perhaps have known Jesus through someone else, it is time we get this supernatural revelation for ourselves from the Lord. I heard it preached once that the most important question that has ever been asked is found in Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, the Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Verse 15, he saith unto them the most important question ever asked. He asked them this question, whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter piped up and answered saying, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, it's not what others say about Jesus that truly matters or what they think about Jesus. But the most important question you and I will ever be asked or answered is, who do you say that Jesus is? John said of him that there is one coming after me who is greater than I. He is greater than I. As it was for John. So it is true for me tonight. It is healthy for me as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, that I am called to simply serve as a messenger that preaches to people and points people to Jesus. You see, Jesus is infinitely greater than I am. I am not the Savior. I am not the healer. I am not the provider. I am not the resurrection. I am not the one who will judge the living and the dead, the righteous and the wicked. There is one God, and I am not him but i know who he is and his name is jesus like john i call for all who will listen to this message tonight and any message that i am ever privileged to preach behold the lamb of god look on him tonight church family in the midst of all that you and i are going through in our lives turn your eyes upon jesus Please allow me to share with you who Jesus is. I will not exhaust this subject. I will not give a, a great Bible study on this subject. But just very quickly, I want to share some scriptures with you about who Jesus is. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of of the invisible God. We serve a God who is eternal, he is immortal, and he is invisible. And Paul tells the Church of Colossae that Jesus is the image, he is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. Furthermore, in 2 Corinthians 4 verse six, it tells us that we are able to see and to know the glory of God in the face of jesus christ we are able to see the glory of this invisible god the beauty the majesty of this invisible god in the face of jesus christ in the life of jesus christ in the words and the works of jesus christ we see God's glory in 1st Timothy three sixteen it says that without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in flesh meaning that this invisible God appeared to us in flesh he was justified in the spirit he was seen of angels he was preached unto the Gentiles he was believed on in the world he was received up into glory Ask this question in this verse of scripture. In 1 Timothy 3.16, you should ask, who was justified in the spirit? Who was seen of angels? Who was preached unto the Gentiles? Who was believed on in the world? And who was received up into glory? To answer any of these is to answer all of these. And the answer is not only God as clearly, shown in scripture, but it is implied that it is Jesus. For it was Jesus who was preached under the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up into glory. This is what John was communicating to us, the readers, when he wrote concerning Jesus in John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Then he writes on in verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. There's the word glory again, the glory of God. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is how Jesus could say a full 1,900 years after Abraham had been dead, buried, and in the grave. He would say in John eight fifty-eight. before Abraham, Jesus says, I am. This is why when Philip, the disciple of Jesus, would ask if Jesus could show them the Father, that the Savior would reply and say, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father in John fourteen nine, And when people hesitated to believe on and openly confess that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, in John chapter 12, that Jesus, in John 12, the Bible records that Jesus cried, not pursuing pity, but out of passion, he would say, he that believes on me, believes not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that sees me sees him that sent me. Jesus was passionately crying out to the people who hesitated in their faith that when you believe on him, you're not believing on mere mortal flesh and blood, but you are believing on God who had manifest himself in flesh and blood. Jesus, someone say Jesus, Jesus turn your eyes on the lord today behold the lamb of god allow me to share with you not only who jesus is but would you allow me to share what jesus has done in john excuse me in romans chapter 5 verse 6 through 8 it says for when we were yet without strength in due time christ died for the ungodly For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet preadventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commends his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm talking about what Jesus has done for us. I didn't deserve it, but he gave it anyhow. I can tell you, what i deserve according to scripture i deserve death I deserve any sickness, any punishment, any, any misery, any shame. I deserve it all. Anything that I would ever receive in this life, I'm telling you right now, I deserve it because the wages of my sin is death. I deserve, if anyone deserved the cross, it was me. If anyone deserved the scourging, the mockery, the shame, the humiliation, the agony, the pain, it was me. But Jesus who was was without sin, he made himself sin. For us, if he did not do another thing for you and I, he is still worthy of our undivided devotion and our absolute surrender. He has saved my soul, he has made me whole. He daily loads me with benefits and he puts a hedge round about me. I don't deserve it. I'm talking about what he has done for me. But not only do I want to talk to you about who Jesus is and what he has done, but allow me to share with you how Jesus is at work. Hear the word of the Lord, church family, Romans 8 verse 28. And we know that all Things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So with that said, we choose as 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us, we walk by faith and not by sight, knowing and trusting that God will cause everything, everything to work together for the good of them that are called according to his purpose. And we do this by faith. That faith that is defined by Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2, where it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That means, just like the song says, even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. Oh, I wish someone would clap your hands right now and give God praise hallelujah 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 oh by faith we walk and we trust that god is making things work together for our good listen you've got to enact your faith you've got to put your faith to work knowing like hebrews 11 verse 2 says by it the elders obtained a good report They were able to obtain a good report by putting their faith to work. And if it worked for the elders in the past, it could work for the saints in the present. I invite you to go with me and put your faith to work today and believe that God is a mighty God. Believe that God has done great things and that he is doing great things among us. Lastly, allow me to share with you Not only who God is and what he has done and how Jesus is at work, but lastly, allow me to share with you where Jesus is wanting to take us. John 14, verse 1 through 3, it says, let not your heart, you know where I'm going, don't you? You students of scripture have heard this verse before. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Let me remind you, these are not just anyone's words. These are the words of our Savior. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. How could he say that unless he was God? Verse two, it says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So I go. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. A place is being prepared for those who are preparing themselves. A place with no more sickness. A place with no more viruses. A place where there's no more death and no more goodbyes, no more hate, no more prejudice, no more racism, no more war, no more famine, no more darkness, no more night, no more sin. It's hard to explain, but I'm feeling more and more homesick for a place I've not yet been. I wonder if there's anybody else feeling quite like that. John, who was the writer of our text, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle, he wrote in the book of Revelation, that last book of our Bible, John wrote in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 and verse 8, behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierce him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega. He's recording the words of Jesus, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. In bright red letters, John records the words of Jesus for all to read and to know. Consider the context of John's revelation of Jesus Christ tonight. John writes these verses. He writes these verses of scripture from a peculiar place. The Bible records in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos. Listen to the scriptures tonight. He said, I was on the island of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ, he had been persecuted for the name of the Lord. He had been persecuted because he was a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of his comrades, all of his peers, all of those that were called apostles of the Lord, they had been brutally killed and martyred up to this point. And John alone was left and he was alone so terribly alone on the island of Patmos, but he he wasn't completely alone. The Bible records in verse 10 of John uh, Revelation 1, John says, I, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet in the midst of the hardest trial of his life, while he saw people dying all around him, death had surrounded him and he was alone on a rock called the island of Patmos. He says, in the midst of it all, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard the voice like a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. But listen carefully now, verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks There was one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. And I saw him, John says, I saw him, and I fell at his feet as though I were dead. John had been overwhelmed by the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, though in the midst of tribulation, surrounded by death, John beheld the Lamb of God, and he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I feel like I'm speaking to someone tonight that... You, What you need is to find yourself in the spirit. You need to find yourself in the presence of the Lord. And the way to do that is to get your attention back on Jesus, to behold the Lamb of God once again. Write down, read, follow, obey, and discover the power of these final verses that I share with you tonight as I close. Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking Unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, I'm calling you church family, to consider him, to think about the Lord, to behold the Lamb of God, to get your mind back on the Lord Jesus Christ who endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your life. Minds. He says, before you throw in the towel, before you call it quits, before you give up, listen, consider Him. Think on the Lord. Behold the Lamb of God. He is the author and finisher of your faith tonight. If he began a good work in your life, that means he has every intention to complete that same work. So with me, say Psalm 57, verse 7, my heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. Oh God, my heart is fixed. Fixed. Therefore, I will sing and give praise. Isaiah 26, verse 3 Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Get your mind on the Lord. Get your heart fixed on God and sing and give praise. Our God is good, our God is faithful. Our God is awesome. Our God is at work in your life. God has done such wonderful and marvelous things. Listen, God is good. This world may be filled with sin, sickness. It may be filled with death and destruction. It may be filled with discouragement and depression. But our God is good. Our God is faithful. And we ought to trust him through every hardship, through every trial. When things don't go the way that we hoped and things can unexpectedly take a turn for the worse, our God is faithful. I read an interesting thought about motion sickness where a doctor, Dr. Santos, says in order to help with motion sickness, whether riding in a vehicle or setting sail on waters. Dr. Santos says, staring at the horizon while in motion and fixing your eyes on the road while maintaining an upright posture will help you avoid getting car sick. Motion sickness develops when there is a conflict in the function of your inner ear vision, and your neck posture. According to Dr. Santos, these three aspects help maintain your orientation and balance. Motion sickness occurs when there is a conflict between what your inner ear senses and what your eyes see. For example, your inner ear may tell you that you're moving, but your eyes don't see any movement these conflicting messages sent to your brain will affect your equilibrium that's why i walk by faith and not by sight because i want to hear the voice of the spirit i want to focus on those things that are constant and unchanging in uncertain times i want to believe in a god who is faithful he is eternal he is immortal He is my Lord and my God. You feeling motion sickness today, spiritually? Get your eyes back on Jesus. Let him restore balance in your heart, in your life, in your world, in your home. In closing, why don't we lift our hands right now? Let's begin to call upon the name of the Lord. We love you, Jesus. I feel like there should be a response to this message tonight. I pray that this message would be followed by a time of prayer in your home, that you will talk to the Lord. I'm going to allow a song to play, a song that perhaps is familiar to many of you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and in his face. Oh, Lord, we love you. We worship you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I honor you, Jesus. I will behold the Lamb of God. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, Jesus.